Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 45 of the Jetman with a Golden Gun, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Chojin Sentai Jetman. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you this day? I'm solid, man. Things are going well. I finally, I don't have any place to be this upcoming week. And it's throwing me off the, a little bit. Like for the I keep, first time, like all month. Yeah, seriously. I keep expecting that I have to pack up and head someplace else, but I don't. I don't. I just, I'm good. I'm not, I'm not planning on actually on going anyplace else for the rest of the summer. So that's exciting. That's very exciting. Yeah. How, uh, how what's up with you, man? Good, good, man. Ready to podcast, ready to get my cast on. I actually, just the other day, I spent two hours podcasting um, without you. I'm sorry. Uh, I was on the Morphin Grid. We talked about what it would be like if they had made Jetman into a season of Power Rangers. Oh, dang. And tried to like translate all of the weird Jetman stuff into American teenagers in 1991. That's a super interesting question. Now, wait. Now, because, of course, Jetman predates Z-Ranger. So yeah. did you go back and because when did Power Rangers come out? Ninety one, uh, ninety two, I think. So yeah, you know, Ranger was in ninety two. So Power Rangers would have been ninety three. So what you would have had to see, like, did you see what I'm saying? You got to jump back because Jetman theoretically would have been a year earlier. Yeah. So what we, I, what we eventually landed on, and we were kicking it around for a while, and you'll have to go listen to it to actually get the full thing because I'm not <laughs> going to try to condense two hours of podcast into something that happens before our award-winning opening segment. Um, but basically, what we decided is that in 1992, Haim Saban got his hands on the footage for Jetman, yes, and took a dry run at doing the Power Rangers, and ultimately, it did not do well enough. And so Mighty Morphin Power Rangers first season was like a complete reboot. Oh, so these are like the dark episodes, the hidden, lost. The untold tales of (laughs) Heinz Bond. Um, So that's what we ended up doing. So if you are interested in what we figured out like high school guy was like, uh, go get a listen. It was a lot of fun. You should just also, you should just listen to the Morphin Grid. Just if you don't already do that, make that part of your weekly schedule. Go listen to our friends at the Morphin Grid. But Matt, absolutely, yes. Morphin Grid aside, yes, I, we have our show to do. And but before we get into that, before show, that we have our aforementioned, officially award-winning opening segment. Dave, shining in the heavens, there are five stars. Would you like to know what our first star of the week is? I have a real solid guess as to what it is, Matt. Is it because that's the only thing I've been talking about all week? Sure is. It's Pokemon Go. It's back again. It's up in this show one more time. All right. So enlighten me, man, because I'm not, okay, I'm not playing Pokemon Go. And to be honest, listen, not because it doesn't sound fun. I just, I can't, man. I just can't. I've got a bunch of other stuff. But let me know what I'm missing. Let me experience this vicariously through you. So... So what? Okay, because like, I know you're capturing Pokemon. Are you fighting gyms? You're fighting trainers. Are you fighting each other? So you cannot challenge other people to battles. Just the people that you see on the street. Okay, uh, which is a bummer. And you cannot yeah, trade Pokemon with your friends, which is also a huge bummer. What? Yeah, I know. There's like I the two. Like, I mean, like not to be weird or anything, but that's basically the two things that you do, isn't it? 
Well, yeah. Okay. So those are two of the things that you do. The other things that you do, you can do in this game, which is catch Pokemon and challenge gyms and like okay. conquer those gyms. And that, that is kind of what the game is based on. So how it works is you turn the game on and you either like hold the phone in your hand or you put it in your pocket and you go for a walk. Got it. And when you're on the walk, like the game will say, hey, like something will pop up on the map, which is basically just like a Google Maps with like a light Pokemon overlay. Right on. Um, will pop up and say like, hey, dude, you got a Jigglypuff. And you click on that Jigglypuff, and your camera will show that the Jigglypuff is, like, standing on the street corner. Um, and you throw a Pokemon ball at him, and then you catch him. Or you don't, and you get really frustrated, and you keep throwing <laughs> Pokeballs at that Jigglypuff. So, okay, so wait, hold up, Matt. Just real quickly, how does this game make money? Uh, because you eventually run out of Pokeballs. Okay. And, and yep. you need more. Oh, okay, so you're buying Pokeballs. You don't have to. So another thing that this game does is there are locations based or set in the game. And some of those locations are gems. And that's where you go to like claim territory for your faction. Okay. you hit level five, you can choose a faction. Uh, I'm Team Mystic. Blue team all the way. Uh, But uh, another thing that's in the game are Pokestops, which are just like little landmarks. And if you go to that landmark and click on it and like spin a little token, it will spit out a bunch of items. Okay. So So you can either... Do that, or alternately, like, I assume you could just buy them if you want to. Exactly. So, you know, the game is making money because people are buying the stuff. Got it. But ultimately, you know, like, it's a free game, and I think everyone in America and probably Australia and New Zealand are playing it, so I think those are the only places that it's launched so far. Um, But yeah, so I've been wandering around. And you have to walk to, like, incubate your Pokemon eggs to get them to hatch into new Pokemon. Nice. So that's another thing you can do. Aside from just catching them, you can get the eggs. And so basically, the game, like, Pokemon Go has gamified me, like, walking to the park and taking a nice (laughs) stroll. And while I'm there, I, like, click on my phone and there is... And you catch some of those Pokemon. Yeah, there's, like, a Psyduck hanging up by the lake because it's near the water and he's a water-type Pokemon. That makes all kinds of sense. Yeah. And then later this month, I'm going to go to Denver to visit family. And I'm really excited because I think I might be able to get some like cool rock-type Pokemon because, that I can get around here. Right, because you're in the mountains. Wow, that's... Su- it really seems like you should be able to trade across... Anyways, okay. So Pokemon Go, well, super fun. Totally rad. Uh, tons of fun. I, I recognize that you do not have enough time to... I guess just go for a walk and have a nice day, but I, you know, no, it's, it's okay. It's no, life, listen, man. dude, that's not it. I just, I know me, and I just don't need another thing in my universe to pay attention to. That's really that's it. Fair. It's not that that is fair because I take walks, I walk places. It's it's literally just like I don't want another thing to pay attention to, even if it's a fun thing because it eventually, anyways. I just, it's me. I know it's not it's not Pokemon Go, Pokemon Go. It's not you. It's me. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Dave, so what is our second star of the week? So our second star of the week, Matt, is that I just got back from a second week eating cafeteria food because I was on, Mm. yeah, I was on college campuses. Just a real quick heads up. Do you ever think back about college cafeteria food and think to yourself, maybe it's not as bad as I remember? Yeah, sometimes. No, it is. It absolutely is. Present you is wrong. Past you was right. It's absolutely as bad as you remember it being. It, this past week, I actually, I was only eating breakfast on campus. The other two meals okay. were like, just you kind of went and did whatever you 
wanted. I found a Mexican place. I ate there for dinner four nights in a row. The portions came in like platters. So I would nice, eat half nice. of it and then have the other half for lunch. Miguel and I became friends because Miguel happened to be working all four days. <laughs> and uh, after day two, I walked in and he was just like, hey, amigo. And I was like, Miguel, what's up? And then we were pals. So that seems like the sort of most delightful way that you can spend your lunches while I'm. Uh, yeah, no, that was fantastic. But after like the second day of eating cafeteria breakfast, I was I looked at I, I actually walked into the cafeteria looked at those powdered eggs and sad sausages and I just I like I literally spun on my heels like that's not a joke that's actually what happened I spun on my heels and just went and found a coffee place to have a sandwich because <laughs> I just I was like I just can't do this I can't eat this you cannot look down the barrel of that like weird sausage gun yeah, anymore oh, oh my gosh so anyways that's a it's a super quick thing it's just your memory is better than you thought it was that food genuinely is terrible there were a couple of weeks back in college i remember where i just refused to eat most of the food that the cafeteria had put out mm-hmm. so i was like okay i'm going to eat bread i'm going to eat like it was just like bread milk and honey i was like okay like this worked for daniel this is what i'm doing <laughs> how did actually uh, i i vaguely remember that experiment i don't remember how it worked well, the out. the problem was I did not supplement it with, like, salad. So it didn't last too long before I got real sick of it. <laughs> um, I will say, though, that at least the food at our college was, like, particularly bad. But, well. Oh, yeah. Okay, so, Matt, that is our second star of the week. What is star number three? Dave, star number three is a game that I picked up for Amazon Prime Day, the Internet's garage sale. Oh, and, I didn't uh, check it out this year because it was so bad last year. I genuinely uh, didn't even. I saw a thing for it and I was like, eh. but was it better? So I, pop, I popped in. Uh, there were a few things. Yeah. I picked up a 22-piece glass like Rubbermaid container set. Oh, yeah. Dude, that's so good. Yeah, I finally threw away all like my old yogurt containers that I kept my uh, leftovers in. Feels good, doesn't it? Feels so good. Up in my game. So. Uh, and. And speaking of games, the other thing that I got is I picked up a copy of Far Cry Primal. I have not played that at all, which I think you already know because I haven't played any of the Far Cry games. But Right, and yeah, long-time listeners into this, of this show will know that I'm a big fan of the Far Cry series, and I didn't pick up Far Cry Primal because it doesn't have like rocket launchers and helicopters and stuff in it because you are a caveman. Yes. Like, it is a caveman game. Like, your weapon is club, spear, and bow. Like, that is your... Like, that's, that's, it, like, that's the end. That's the whole list. Clubs yeah, and like I think you get better versions of those things as the game progresses, and you can like throw beehives at people to like scare them with bees. <laughs> <laughs> but like, there's not a lot going on in this game, and so I didn't want to pick it up initially because like I really love those rocket launchers and helicopters mm-hmm. from the other Far Cry games. But it was like twenty bucks, and so I picked it up, and like, dudes, like running around in caveman days, like trying to not get eaten by saber-toothed tigers as you hunt like your enemies with a bow and arrow and clubs that are on fire. Turns out... I've only played it for an hour, but, like, turns out, fun game. That's a good time. (laughs) No, it does... If you have ever wanted to, like, run run after a goat for a long time because it's a little bit faster than you, but you desperately need its meat and skin to survive, (laughs) this is the game for you. (laughs) So what you're saying is it's like, it's a pretty accurate caveman simulator? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, it has a survival mode that I am not playing because that is a bad idea because the way that it works is it jacks the game's difficulty up to expert. And also, 
it uh, goes into a mode where, like, if you die, the game is over. Like, there are no respawns in the survival mode. Oh, boy. Wow. That's, yeah, no, that's too much. They are not kidding around. And the problem with that is that in Far Cry, I die all the time because I'm always just trying to do ridiculous stuff. Wait, hold up, though. Isn't that kind of the point of Far Cry? Like, I haven't played Far Cry, but that seems... Well, sure, but like in Far Cry 4, you have like a wingsuit, so if you jump off of a cliff, you can just You're fly until it. you land. In this, you are a caveman, so if you jump <laughs> off of a cliff, you die because it's a cliff and you're a human. Anyway, so I've only played the game for like an hour, so I do not have that much to talk about it. If it like is weird and awesome in ways that are different than the other Far Cry games that I have uh, extolled the virtues of on this very program. I might bring it up again, but for now, Dave, what is our fourth star of the week? So our fourth star of the week, Matt, is okay. So it was my wife's birthday this weekend, and we hit. We went to a Chinese restaurant. Not uncommon for us, right? Not at all. But we found a new one because Beth was like, "Oh, I want to get like dim sum," and there's one. There's two places in. Cleveland that do dim sum, but they're like a little pricey. And we found this other place on Yelp and they're like, oh, it's really good. It's also very cheap. So we go. First of all, it's on like a weird back alley in Cleveland. I've literally never seen this street in my entire life. Mm -hmm. The building is obviously like super Chinese. Like it's very, like all the decor of the exterior of the building is very Chinese, if that makes, or you know what I'm saying? it's very, like, American Chinatown. Yeah, 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 yes, that's a better way to say it. It's very Chinatown, but, like, none of the other buildings around it are. There is a sign that just says Chinatown next to the building, and across Which the... Which is weird, because no one in Cleveland calls that part of town Chinatown. No, they do not. That's Asia Town. Yes, and then across the street from this place are just a bunch of Chinese Zodiac statues... Some of which are like, because we went back to this restaurant, sorry to like give you a spoiler for a little bit later in the uh, story, but we went back to this restaurant the same day and I came. All of those Chinese Zodiac statues are there, but they're in like varying states of disrepair. Like a few of them have yeah. their heads knocked off. Mm-hmm. So we went into the restaurant. Now, the first night Beth and I were there, we were one of three couples in the restaurant. And there was the old lady, there was like one old lady who was at the door and then another lady who was the waiter waitress and then we went back the next day and we were you and me and bath and our mother we were the only people in the restaurant when we came in nobody else walked in and nobody else had come in by the time we left so like we ate our entire meal in complete solitude and i want i want to describe this place to you because it is not the sort of place that has like five tables and you no. reasonably be the only person in there. no 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 this is like a big restaurant and it is lavishly would you say matt Elaborately, I would say lavishly, opulently, opulently perhaps. decorated. The entire interior of this place is golden yellow wallpaper. Okay, all the chairs are like dark, and tables are like that dark red sort of lacquer that you see in in this sort of furniture. Mm-hmm. There's all all surfaces of this restaurant are decorative. All of them, every one, every of them. single one. The doors are decorated. There's like six different kinds of floor tile. The mirrors the have decorations. are beautiful. Yeah, but there's no one else. I think we. I think we're in like a China, We're in like a ghost restaurant situation. Yeah, I, I think we found a ghost restaurant. Oh, we're almost we found, certain. Like, an abandoned street with a ghost restaurant. I did. I did think about going back today 
because it is tasty and it's real, real cheap. But I think if we went back three times, like that would be, that would be it. Right. Then whatever sort of like ghost thing is going on would have like fully locked with you. And yeah. That would no, be... you can eat there twice and then that's in a row at least a third time in a row game over you just either maybe you can't eat any place else or, or like if you do eat any place else it's like thinner where like you can eat yeah and you do right not receive any sort of nourishment <laughs> from it thinner except that one dim sum plate that's a weird concept for a movie uh, <laughs> it is a weird concept for a movie it would be slightly weirder with the wrinkle that that guy would be totally fine if he kept if going just... to a particular dim sum place <laughs> So, yeah, so Ghost Restaurant aside, uh, it was tasty. It's called the Emperor's Palace, which is probably why the whole interior of it is yellow. That makes a lot more sense now. I did not think about that till just now. And maybe that's why we were the only people there, because it's actually the Forbidden City and no one is allowed to be there. That also makes a ton of sense. It is possible that I don't know much about the Forbidden City and I just said something wrong or possibly offensive. (laughs) Deeply offensive. I'm very sorry. (laughs) All right, Matt. So uh, speaking of crazy things that are in Cleveland, what is our fifth star of the week? Dave, this week is like Clevepocalypse. Oh, my gosh. uh, Because this week is the uh, RNC in Cleveland. And like people are like, I was driving from my side of town to your side of town. And I passed a bunch of like, out-of-state police cars. Who boy. Because apparently, like, a bunch of, like, police have been sent to help, like, be around for a while. Yes. Yeah, man. They have brought in, like, bonus police. Which is exactly a great thing to see when you're driving around, like, weird, like, Texas police cars driving around Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think that there are also a bunch of protesters coming into town. So I think for the next week, everyone who actually lives here is just going to try to stay away from everything as much as possible. Yeah. While the out-of-town protesters and the out-of-town policemen just get into it. Dude, everybody I have talked to is just saying, they're like, we're just going to do our straight best to just stay out of downtown. Just nothing good is going to happen downtown this week. It's going to be a it's going to be a mess. It's going to be absolutely insane to try and get back and forth. Just like just forget it, dude. Beth yesterday was reading a list of things that are prohibited. Like things you are not permitted to have downtown. Uh-huh. And a lot of them are like, it just got super specific. So some things like you can't have explosives. It's like, all right, that's a good, no. Yeah, no explosives downtown. Sure, that's fair. No, like no ordinance, no guns. It's like, all right, that makes a lot of sense. And then they just start like really dialing in. Uh, also things that are prohibited. Nunchucks. Mm-hmm. Grappling hooks. Are they worried about ninjas attacking the I, That's the only conclusion that I've come to, because they did specific... <laughs> Cestus! They outlawed... You can't have a Cestus downtown. And I want to be... Dave, can you bring... Can you have smoke bombs or shuriken? Hold up. I want to be really, really clear here. They did not mean Cestus as like a stand-in for brass knuckles, because they also said brass knuckles. <laughs> so you cannot have a Cestus or brass knuckles. Uh, I, they didn't, well, the smoke bombs, they actually did maybe mention smoke bombs. I don't remember hearing anything specifically about ninja shuriken, but uh, I would assume that, I would assume that you are not allowed to have those either, so. What's also really funny is that, uh, listen, I'm a single dude, I'm on a couple of them dating apps, and so I was looking at them the other day, 
And uh, I was going through, like, the people who are in town. And there is a... Su- like, you can tell that there is something going on in town. Because there is a sudden influx of, like, journalists. Um, uh, like... Like, hard-nosed Republican ladies mm. and, like, people who work for The Daily Show are just, like, <laughs> rolling, rolling around town. So, yeah. So, we're going to be avoiding downtown Cleveland, but something that we're... Uh, but but I, I hope everything goes well. I listen, I'm, I'm oh, glad dude. that Cleveland is, you know, I put a lot of work into giving us ourselves a facelift for, like, this weird thing that is happening, I, but I'm really going to be glad when it's I over. I deeply hope that everything goes is cool, and also, I'm just going to say it, I'm going to say it right now, that if anything goes wrong, like, if anybody gets, like, real squirrely, it's not Cleveland's fault, because we had 1.3 million people downtown, and everyone was totally cool so we know that the people in cleveland at least are cool just everybody else just be cool just be cool just be cool for like just just a minute please just be cool just 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 the shortest amount of time then you can go back to being crazy (laughs) at home not in my home so matt speaking of things that are super cool and also pretty crazy Dave, we're about to watch episode 45 of Joking that was Sunday, a Jetman. Great transition. It is called <laughs> the Hot Milk of Victory. Oh, 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 oh. oh yes, it is. Uh, and we will be right back. All right, welcome back. So we have just finished watching episode 45, The Hot Milk of Victory. Uh, Dave, since this is part two of a two-parter, why don't you remind us all what on earth was happening last week? Yeah, absolutely. Before I do that, I just want to say I had completely forgotten that Ryu drinks hot milk. Like, that's his drink, which makes the title make way more sense. That's some very important context. Yeah, I had like I had just completely forgotten that that was the case, and so the idea of just the hot milk of Victor is like, guys, that's a real weird idea, and it came out of nowhere, and it turns out it didn't. That's just what Ryu drinks. And surprise, they do win at the end. So he he literally drinks the hot milk of victory. The titular hot milk of victory. <laughs> so Which last when I episode say it like that sounds like a totally different beverage. Yeah, that's a real that's I mean, you used all of those words correctly, and there was just some false cognating happening right there. So, anyways, what had happened last episode is that Ember Transup brilliantly realized that what he needed to do to beat the Jetman was have a giant robot of his own. Yes. So he creates this giant robot, which is inexplicably named Veronica. Veronica is powered by the life energy of some civilians that Transit captures. Veronica defeats Jet Icarus, defeats Jet Garuda, then in turn defeats defeats Tentra Boy, and then in turn defeats Great Icarus, which is the combination of Jet Icarus and Jet Garuda. So Veronica stands triumphant. At the end of last episode, Veronica shoots a transport tube into Great Icarus's chest, Transa runs across, kidnaps Raita, Kauri, and Akko, and has them in like the energy drainage chamber that powers Veronica and 
Ryu and Guy are left, like, licking their wounds, trying to restore Great Icarus, while Veronica is also undergoing some repairs in the Viram dimension. And so that is where we pick this whole thing up. Yeah, so this episode picks up with the last couple of scenes of the previous episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and Just to catch you up, which is good. Yes. There was a lot in that episode. There's a lot of episode in that episode. And you know so as we as we start hitting new footage, we are in Sky Camp as Ryu and Guy are talking about their situation. Right. Guy is literally not... Con- he's shaking. He's shaking with anger. You know that thing that like little kids do where they get super angry and they just sit there and vibrate? Guy is doing... He's doing that thing. Yes. And they're talking about like how are we going to do this because Jet Icarus can't beat... Uh, Veronica, and also yeah. Jet Icarus is like completely destroyed right now. Guy yeah. is really upset, and he looks at a photo of all the Jetmen as like a, oh, remember the good times when three of us weren't captured and shoved into an evil battery for a giant robot? Mm-hmm. Um, but what I really love about this is that the photo he picks up, I'm pretty sure is one of the snapshots that Chief took while they were on that vacation where Calry got turned into an ant person. Yeah, it definitely is, because they're out in the country. Which so is that's just, a weird it's just time. this really nice little like callback and a bit of like visual continuity that I really appreciated. So Ryu just kind of looks up very suddenly at nothing, and then the scene ends, which is weird. So we go to the Viram dimension, we see Veronica, and then we sort of zoom into her drainage chamber, and we are just reminded that yes, in fact, people are being drained of their life force, and the jetmen are trapped. Like there's it's actually kind of a cool thing that they do. They've got dudes with like uh puppet arms i guess standing behind them as part of the wall like you can't see them just their arms and they're constantly being grabbed and held it you know what it looks like it looks like that scene from labyrinth where jennifer connelly is falling down the well yeah and it's all the hands hands. yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and what's weird is that the first time i like when i first saw this look like in the last episode i thought like oh there are like for whatever reason, I just thought there are Grenham soldiers behind this wall holding people in place. Not no, this the wall, wall just... has arms, but this yep. wall got some arms, people. Yep, that wall just has arms and tentacles. It's real strange. So the Jetmen are trapped. We go back to Sky Camp, and Guy, again, he's like freaking out, and he's like, we can't win with Great Icarus. Like, what are we? Like, he has no idea. He's like, I don't know what we're going to do. We have our giant robot, and that giant robot is not hard enough to beat Veronica. Like, that's it. We just, like, this is now unwinnable. Ryu gets up to leave, and he turns around and he says, dude, all we can do is keep fighting. Right. I really liked this. Like, that's literally all we can do. Like, I don't know if we can win, but we can't stop trying. Okay, I thought that this is a fantastic scene. Here's why. Because all of the stuff that Guy is doing right now, Ryu gets it. Like, he understands it, man, because Rie is a Viram. So it's not that Ryu is ignoring what's happening with Guy. You can, like, you can see it in his face. He's like, no, dude, I get it. Just all you can do is keep fighting. Like, that's it. Yeah. Like, this, and, is a, this is a bad scene. And it's good because, like, we have seen Ryu do basically this same stuff before like that guy is doing now, just this kind of imp, like he's just so angry, he doesn't know what to do. And Ryu just says, man, I know I get it. You just keep fighting. You just get to keep fighting. Like, 
in parentheses for justice. Sure. And then he just goes through and he says, we're going to, we got to finish the repairs on great Icarus. Like, let's go, man. Like, so, let's just do it. So we cut back to the viral dimension and Radigat is inside of the cockpit for Veronica. And he's saying like, Transa, I am not going to let you get away with this. Like, I, this, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. I'm going to stop you from beating the Jetman because I am going to beat the Jetman. And so he gets like this little, it's like a remo- it's like a walkie-talkie is what it looks like. Like it's like a miniature walkie-talkie. Yeah, and he just slaps it on like sort of like a hidden part of the uh, control like joystick that Transa uses while they're yeah. piloting Veronica. And then he just and then he leaves. So we go back to Sky Camp and they're doing some repairs on Great Icarus. And, you know and- something I noticed in this scene and in. Like, if I ever watch through Jetman again, which who knows if I will, I've already seen it twice, but um, if I ever watch through it again, I think that I'm going to have to watch for the repair scenes. Because what I noticed in this scene is that they're not in the hangar bay. They're inside Jet Icarus, or Great Mm -hmm. Icarus. And I think that this is the first time I've noticed that when they were doing those repairs, they're inside of the machine. Because it's just, I, my brain is not programmed to recognize, like, oh, yeah, obviously that's the inside of a giant robot. Because you, you normally never see that. Yeah, it's always, and it's, like, what's really funny is that it's just an office. Like, there's a table. <laughs> yeah, there's just, like, a desk. <laughs> and, like, a computers. computer is on that desk. And there are some switchboards next to it with, like, some wires that are all messed up. And were you like, is trying to plug all those wires back into each other. Yeah. And so he's like, he's like, guy, you check the engine. And there's one, like, they, they find this one tube. And it's a tube with some wires, and it has been severed. And Ryu kind of jams it back together. And, like, I don't know, like, throws some duct tape on it. Like, he doesn't have a soldering iron out, so I don't exactly know what he's doing. Right. Well, the problem but then he is sort of, that Veronica has reappeared. Chief is in the control room, and she sees on her cameras, like, oh, no, Veronica is back and is rampaging. You guys need to get out there. And so yeah, Ryu doesn't have this time. Was... <laughs> Ryu just doesn't have time to do a full repair. He's like, okay, I guess we're going. We'll have to leave with what he refers to as basic repairs, which is just, okay. like, shove everything together and hope that it works. I found this really, this is like a really confusing scene because when Veronica shows back up into town, they just recycle the footage from last episode. (laughs) And so I really, and it was like very obviously the same footage. And so I couldn't figure out if Veronica had shown up again or if they just got real late or if this was a flashback. Like, are they remembering when Veronica showed up the first time? Because there's no explanation of the scene cut. It's just them repairing Great Icarus, and then Veronica's in town. No, so Dave, I think what's happening is that after 45 weeks, the people of this world have gotten so good at rebuilding the giant buildings that the robots <laughs> and giant monsters keep destroying that these just are the right same buildings up. that got destroyed yesterday, but they have literally been rebuilt overnight. Well, there's no sense paying an architect twice, Matt. If you already have the plans, like just roll with it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Hey, out of totally off topic, are they still doing the Disaster Incorporated spin-off show movie for Marvel? Is that still a thing that's happening? Um, I don't know. Um, Dang, are you we should wait, look into Disaster that. Incorporated? Are you talking about damage control? Damage control. Sorry, that's it. Sorry, real briefly, in the Marvel Comics universe, there is a specialty insurance slash construction firm that specializes in repairing up. Repairing up? That specializes in repairing cities and towns 
after giant superhero battles and they were going to make a TV show about it. Dude, speaking of damage control, there is actually a damage control, I think one shot that Chris Sims and Chad Bowers wrote for the uh, current Civil War II event. No way. Yeah, dude. Damage control is back in the house. Okay, I'm going to have to check that out. So anyway, so sorry. So we go back and it's uh, the Jetmen are fighting with Veronica. They've got... Great Icarus, they roll out, everything is cool. Well, everything is cool. Everything is pretty bad, Dave. Yeah, no, I mean, not cool in the sense of it's a fun show. So there's a fat dude, Tranza drops an awesome line. So he's in Veronica, Great Icarus shows up, and Tranza looks out at Great Icarus, and he says, Justice sure is sad having to fight even knowing you'll lose. Like, he gets the futility of what the Jetmen are doing, and he's like, ah, you poor you poor dumb bastards. Like, right. why would you do this? It's because you're driven by justice, because you're big dummies. Like, that's got to stink, huh? So, we <laughs> there's a quick shot of the Jetmen. They are 100% still trapped in Veronica. Mm-hmm. And then we flash back to the chief, who just looks like she's doing some accounting. She's, you know, she's doing math, because... You know, the way that you do more, you know, robot stuff in this show is that you write some stuff on a piece of paper and then you type for a while and then new robot stuff is ready. Yeah. So what she says, we just, <laughs> she, and she says, what if great Icarus and Tetra Boy could join forces? Like, chief, chief obviously, just that's so obviously what's going to happen. Because you've already got two robots, and those robots combine into a bigger robot, but that bigger robot lost. But you still have a third robot. So the obvious answer is to just combine all three robots. Wait, you just need more robot. Like, you knew that that's what was going to happen. And what's amazing is that the chief then starts doing, like, the calculations that are necessary to make this happen. Because as we have clearly established, combining giant robots all only requires a software patch. Right. There like, that's is all you need. the hardware that is required to be changed. It is all just a software update. Right. So the chief starts working on that. And we flash back to the fight between Veronica and Great Icarus. And Great Icarus just continues to get completely destroyed. There is like there's just no way that Great Icarus is going to win this fight. And in fact, what happens is that same like tube of wires that Ryu had been fixing earlier blows again, and so like the power just shuts down for Great Icarus, and it just collapses against a building. And I want to be super clear, guys. This tube is like maybe an inch in diameter. Yeah, like, it's this not is huge. not a giant, like, man-sized power conduit that they're, like, hugging to hold up. It's just, it's literally, it's a one-inch diameter tube with some wires. And all of Great Icarus is defective. Like, all of the power goes through that tube. <laughs> this one tube. Well, maybe it's not a power. Maybe it's, like, a control. Like, maybe it's, like, a control, like, you know, information thing to to tell Great Icarus what to do. Nah, dude, because we're going to see in a second that there's a lot of power in that tube. Oh, that's right. So, yeah, so, okay. all- <laughs> so they're both collapsing. Ryu says, oh, it's that like power tube downstairs. And Guy Obviously. says, like, okay, you stay here. I'll go get it. So Guy runs down into this room, and it's the same room that we had seen earlier. And he's running in, and there are sparks flying everywhere, and he's trying to get to this tube. He gets yep. sort of like blown back a few times because like the sparks and explosions that are happening inside, but he manages to get the tube back together. He's pleased with himself. He's walking out. He's doing, you know that like, it's not a clap, but it, you're like, it looks like you're brushing the dirt off your hands and you're kind of walking oh, the, away. 
the wrap up clap. Yeah, TM. you know like what the it rap, is. Like it's the move that you just. It's the move you do with your hands when you're like done. Also, like if a bad guy beats the good guy in the first fight before the bad guy knows that the good guy is going to come back and like super beat him later, like he looks down at the fallen good guy and kind of does the. The, he does the move, yeah. and you're like, oh, okay. It is that That's move. like the arrogant. He does that move. The, the I am done with this, and I'm brushing the dirt off of my hands clap. Yep, he does that move. The wrap-up clap, as it is now forever clap. known. And so uh, Great Icarus actually powers up for a second and like starts to make a move, but then the tube breaks again. Yes. So Guy runs back, and like Ryu is freaking out, because Veronica is striding towards him with its giant sword about to, you know, do the thing. And so Guy runs over and he is trying to put this tube back together, but he can't. So what he does next. Oh, he does oh, okay. the best thing. He just grabs so, both pieces and kind of gets them close to each other. But actually what happens is that he himself acts as the conduit for all of the power of Great Icarus just charging through his body. <laughs> so there's like a lightning flashing all around his body. And I was trying and to figure like, out how he could possibly survive this. And the only thing that I can think is that Great Icarus is powered by Berdonic energy, and that is what is going through his body. And his body has already been like reconfigured to accept Berdonic energy. You know what? I just assumed that it was like, oh, well, he's a jet man. He's got like superpowers. So he has like super toughness. But your thing makes way more sense. Like if, if the chief had tried to know that, actually, like she wait, would be no, a skeleton. Yes, definitely. We know for a fact that great that the robots are powered by Bradonic energy because Meteor Bem manages to shut them down with anti-Bradonic waves. Oh, that's right. So, yeah, that is absolutely what's happening. And so Guy can, like, handle it because he's already a jet man. Like, he's not and having so he a great is just, time. Yeah, no, it's rough. But, like, I mean, like, listen, your heart runs on electricity, too. But I wouldn't jam a fork in a socket. Like, don't right. do that. So, that is the official stance of the Super Sentai Bros podcast. Do not jam a fork in a socket. <laughs> don't jam a fork in a socket. <laughs> um, so he is... He, does this thing for long enough for like great Icarus to get out of the way, basically. Okay. So the chief, we flash back to the chief. She's working on the software patch that will combine Tetra boy and great Icarus. Then we flash over to inside of Veronica. Rita is like struggling against like the weird wall arms and tentacles that are holding him in. And he's like, I won't die like this. And he manages to break out. Right. Cause like he just brute forces his way. He remembers that Rita has super strength. Like double super strength. Cause all the jump in it. Like anyways. Yeah. So he manages to get out. And then unfortunately, he actually, did he like bumps into the wall, like one wall over and gets captured again? Right, like he rips himself out and then he goes to free Kauri, but he gets oh, too that's close right. to the wall where Kauri is being captured and the arms reach back out again and get him in there. Yeah, so Which we flash to back to the... so frustrating. That's, yeah, that's gotta be rough. And so we... <laughs> like imagine being right in that moment. Like you're finally using your super strength to break out of a thing to save your friends and a giant robot and you're having like the best moment in an episode in a long time and you just accidentally get too close to another wall and get snagged by them arms. Man, they just got you again. Like, oh so, my gosh, this was a Raita moment. This was going to be a Raita episode and now it's not. Now it's another it's Ryu not. and Guy episode and I get to go back to being the wall guy. Hmm. <laughs> so we go up 
to the controls and the capture tube shoots out of Veronica again. So now Great Icarus and Veronica are once again connected by this like transport tube and we go into the control room of Veronica and Radigat is like, I am not going to let Transa win this because like this is about to be it. So he hits like a button on his chest or something. I think it was on and- his sword. Yeah, whatever. It and so and the thing explodes. Transa goes flying, and Radigat like runs over to fight Transa. I this is amazing. I love this moment because it's a super cool thing. I love it. That is, whenever a team of villains is undone by their own villainy. Oh yeah, like you guys would have won. Like you absolutely. Except this was your the moment, you were about. <laughs> this to was win. it. You guys had it, except you're all villains. And so, like, just because you're villains fighting the Jetmen doesn't mean you're not all also individually villains. And you are 100% willing to stab each other in the back. And I just dig that, especially contrasted against the power of five that is the true heart and strength of the Jetmen. So speaking of the power of five and the teamwork of the Jetmen, as Transa and Radigan are fighting, that means that Veronica is just kind of standing there, right? And Ryu yes. and Guy are like, okay... I guess this is our chance. Guy actually gets up again, and he's going to go run into Veronica and save everybody. But Ryu says, wait, hold on. You went last time. Let me go now. You stay here and control Great Icarus, and I'll go rescue everyone. Like I'm counting on you to keep things together up here. Yes. So as he is going, Guy says, like, Ryu. And Guy, Ryu turns around. And, he says, and then Guy says, I'll buy you a drink after this. And Ryu says, hot milk, right? And then Guy says... Without sugar, yeah? And they're just like, bros. And then Ryu leaves. It's a and great I just, oh, moment. Dude, this show, oh man, dude, dude, this show is so good. Like, it's like, I am, like, like, I'm deeply invested in the friendship between these two guys. The development of the friendship between Ryu and Guy is, like, I feel like it has been going on kind of in the background for a lot of things. Like, it was pretty big early on. And then it's been in the background behind the guy and Kauri stuff. But every once in a while, it peeks out in moments like this. And it's so great. I love okay. these two guys together. I, I, okay. So we go back to inside. I, we got to stop talking about it because otherwise I'm just going to like wax romantic about the bromance that exists between these two bros. Uh, so, so we go back to inside Veronica and Radigat and an Emperor Trans are fighting each other. And it looks like Radigat is doing okay for like a second, but then it is not okay. Right. For him. No, it's, I mean, it's, it's okay for Transa. Transa's having a good old time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Emperor Transa, he's totally fine. Radigat is in trouble. So Ryu is kind of running around and <laughs> we get this great shot. We just flash to outside the robots and we get a panning shot that just goes along the transport tube from Great Icarus into Veronica. But like we don't see into it or anything. It's just a shot of the tube. Yeah, it's just, and then we see Ryu in Veronica. Like, you guys get it, right? He's going from one <laughs> thing to the other thing. <laughs> So, so Rad- we go back to the fight. Transa is just beating up on Radigat. Radigat's on his last legs. And Transa says, you too will become part of the battery. And he like telekinetically shoves or like physically shoves. I don't remember. Radigat into the wall. And Radigat like becomes part of the battery. So now Radigat's life force is also feeding Veronica. Gray, we flash up. Gray's piloting Veronica. Now there's another giant fight is happening and while that is happening 
we flash back inside of Veronica and Ryu is fighting Tranza. So like micro world, macro world, giant robots, mini fight it's a, inside the giant robots. It's a great moment. And, and the big fight with the giant robots, the way that that's basically playing out is that Guy has just used like the claw arms of Great Icarus to grab onto the arms of Veronica. Because if he can at least hold on for long enough, then Veronica's not going to be able to pull away far enough to like disengage the uh, like connection tube. So he is trying yep. to maintain the access, like the exit port for those guys to get out of Veronica. So yeah, so the whole save them. Yeah, so this is just him holding on. Like he's not trying to win this anymore. Just holding out. So. We go down to, like, I'm not totally sure what is about to happen. So we see Radigan. Okay, I I have some ideas about this. So explain the scene, and then I'll sort of come in and say what I think happened. Okay, so we see Radigan. He's being drained of his energy, and he is freaking out. He's, like, he's so angry. He actually transforms into that weird bat form that he has, and then he just disappears. Like, his empty armor is being held onto the wall, and we see a shot of that, and then Veronica starts losing power, and then Radigat is back in his armor, but in his human form, and then he breaks free. So, so okay. I think Here, the yeah. idea... Here's what I think happens, is that okay. Radigat is able to somehow, as he is being like drained of energy go into some sort of crazy monster energy form because this thing was designed to steal the like energy of humans, not of Virum. And so he's okay. kind of able to take advantage of its like gully works, basically. And so he just turns himself into energy, gets in there, and absorbs up all of the energy from Veronica. Oh, all right. And then okay, he's but able he- to use that to turn back into a person and break free. Yes. However, he does not like. He doesn't like super power up. Okay. He ju- basically I, I like have a draining. That he actually does super power up, but he's just like not like. He's a little beaten up from before. This 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 is because I've seen the later episodes. I think he actually does super power up in this moment, but we will return to that later on, like in other episodes. So don't worry about okay. that right now. So, anyways, here's what happens: is that. Radigat like gets himself free and then he walks over to Rita and says Jetman like you are my prey do not let yourselves be defeated by Tranza and he cuts Rita free and then wanders away so like he's just so this is incredible because this is pride effing with you, like Radigat. You could have defeated the Jetmen, but you wanted to do it. Right. You could have killed three of them right now, but I maybe he thinks that doing that would be like piggybacking on Trans's success, and that would make this like a Transa win. But he wants to do it all himself. Like, yeah. That's the only thing I can think of. Dude, that's like Quentin Tarantino in his wisdom. It's pride effing with you, man. Gotta watch out. It's, so uh, anyway, yeah, Radigan makes a lot of bad decisions. I mean, <laughs> sort of from, from front to back, that dude, like, he's good at evil, kind of, but he's bad at winning because he is so, uh, like... So dedicated to evil, right? He's so dedicated to the gimmick. 
So, uh, right against free, he frees Akko and Kari. We flip back to Tranza versus Ryu again. Tranza is about to drop some like power move on Ryu, but the other Jetmen arrive just in time. They knock Tranza back. They do a four-way beak smasher. Jetmen escape back to Great Icarus. So, they- so now all the Jetmen are in Great Icarus, and the Virum, except for Radigat, are back to Veronica. Like Yes. So now, basically, we have reset to the end of the last episode, where it is Great Icarus versus Veronica with most of everyone in their respective cockpits. Right. However, Great Icarus is not any stronger than it used to be, so he's still losing. Yeah. In fact, he's Veronica- probably weaker because he is, like, you know, he was damaged before and went forward with basic repairs. Right. So we go back, and Veronica is, like, approaching in for the final attack. The chief finishes her calculations. All the computer screens and Skycam just start flashing okay over and over again. Which is beautiful. She jumps up and she says, the work on Tetra Boy is done. We go back to the fight. Tetra Boy arrives, and the chief yells into the microphone. She okay, says, okay, Dave, real quick. Be- before what you're about to say happens, happens. There was yeah, no, a please. moment where Transa says, okay, full power, let's get him, and then, like, throws him around and shoots him with a big energy beam, but it doesn't kill Great Icarus. And here is, this is sort of important to my theory as to how Radigat was able to escape, because I think that if he had been, if Radigat hadn't stolen all that power from Veronica, Ah, in this moment, when Veronica went full power to destroy Great Icarus, it would have just Just blown up the robot. But it weakened Veronica enough that now the Jetmen are able to survive that attack. That was a thing of beauty, man. That was a really good job. Thank you. Thank you. So, <laughs> so, um, as, so Tetra Boy runs up, and they're like, Tetra Boy, no way. And the chief just yells into the microphone, let Tetra Boy ride on the bird mazer and attack. And they say, what? all right. And then, so this is what I'm listen. I'm just going to read you my notes. Ready? Tetra Boy arrives. Quote, let Tetra Boy ride on the bird mazer and attack. End quote. What? Uh, oh, okay. Exactly what she said. Yeah, my because notes here's just, what happens. My notes just say Tetra Boy is a bullet. Yeah, so here's what happens they do the bird mazer and they basically shoot the bird mazer into the back of Tetra Boy, who jumps up. And, like, becomes an energy bullet as part of the bird mazer attack. And it, like, launches Tetra Boy through Veronica, who then explodes. And Tetra Boy reforms out of his energy state on the other side of Veronica. By the way, that shot where he's reforming out of his energy state into, like, a victory pose is amazing. Yeah, it's real cool looking. So yeah, that's that's exactly she meant exactly what she said. Let Tetra Boy ride on the bird mazer and attack. That's what that is now. I I'm not gonna lie, I'm a tiny bit disappointed. I was really assuming that we were gonna get like yet another layer of giant robot. Okay, I thought that too, but I wasn't disappointed when it didn't happen because Oh no, like what they did was great. Oh, it was great, but also because Tetra Boy, throughout the course of this show, hasn't been a combining robot. He's been a weapon. Like, they don't pilot Tetra Boy. Tetra Boy doesn't combine with them. He is a weapon that is used by the Jetmen. And so in this instance, he just has, like, his final form of that. One of my favorite things about this episode is that there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. But, like, everything that happens, according to the logic that this show has set up, like, 
in the previous 44 episodes. Everything in this episode makes perfect sense, and I really like it. Okay, so we go back to the Viram dimension. The three remaining Viram commanders kind of teleport in, like specifically, you know, they like heavily. Mega Man teleport in. Yeah, it's a it was, very, we've it's never a seen very particular teleportation effect where like a light beams down and they kind of like form out of that. It was weird because like we've never seen them do that. They always just kind of fade in and out, but they decided to throw in this cool teleport effect. I'm down. So Trans is on the throne. He's bleeding from like a forehead wound or something, and he starts freaking out and doing like the crazy laughs. Yeah, he's just straight up insane cackling. I'm not sure why. I think he's just kind of lost it. Like he threw everything at this, and he should have won, and he didn't. And he's just like, okay. that is the only she's way that just... he can process his emotions. So because he's twelve. So we get a flash to Radigat. Who is like wandering around in a subway access tunnel? Yeah, he's just is like what it stumbling like. down a tunnel. I have no idea like where he's supposed to be or why. We go from there to all the jetmen at a restaurant, and we get a really strange moment because, like, Wright is like, "Hey, I'm going to eat a whole bunch of food. That's great." And so Kauri turns to Guy and she says, "Guy, I'm sorry. Emphasis mine. I'm sorry for making you worry." Guy turns back to Kauri and says, of course I worried. You're all my friends. Yes, he Is that does. all? Is that all, Guy? Really? That's why you... Just because you're all friends and that's why you were worried? Well, friends and teammates, sure. Yeah, Wait, just else seems... Hmm, hmm. Hmm. As a dude who's been in a committed relationship for a real long time at this point... I can tell you that that is an answer that would get me looked at unkindly. <laughs> Let me put it that way. It, it is potential, um, Dave. It is potentially uh, that the guy's wings have been clipped. Perhaps he's yeah. no longer flying. On the wings of love up and above the clouds. Man, I feel like there's, man, you know, because, okay, so I feel bad because I knew that that was about to happen. And in my heart of hearts, like, I wanted to know a harmony line for that to just jump in on it with you. But I don't, I don't know. But know that the thought was there. I appreciate so the thought, we go. That's truly what counts. <laughs> so we go over uh, and Guy walks over to the bar and it's Guy and Ryu and Guy orders a hot milk with no sugar and Ryu orders a McKellen. Straight. Straight. Which I thought was great because A, McKellen is in fact a real brand. And B, demonstrates that Guy has got good taste in scotch. Dude, that's... Because McKellen, McKellen is real tasty. Dude, everything we know about scotch, or I'm sorry, everything that we know about Guy, I think would, would suggest that he has good taste in scotch. And it is nice to get a confirmation. Yeah, so they sort of look at each other and they slide the their slide their respective drinks across to each other. That's a great moment. And they sort of cheers, and then that's it. Now that's the end of the episode. Uh, Dave, I loved this episode. It was so good. What was your high point this week? Man, uh, there were a bunch of great moments. I think my high point is either Ryu and Guy as Ryu is leaving the cockpit. Mm-hmm. Or when Raita just like brute forces his way out of the restraints and then 
is captured again. But not not the capturing again part, but when he just like hulks his way out, I thought that was also a pretty great Absolutely. Moment. So how about you, man? You got a high point for this episode? Um, My high point, gosh, honestly, okay, we didn't mention it, but here's my high point. Okay. There is a moment when all of the Jetmen have escaped from uh, the demon robot Veronica and they okay. get back to the cockpit of Great Icarus. And they're all cross-changed, but Guy isn't yet, so you can still see his face. And when they all run in, the look on Guy's face, it's such a great moment of like joy and relief and like oh my gosh i was worried i would never see you all again but we're here and i'm so happy but like we need to get moving and i don't have time to process these emotions it's like this great face that he makes and like for me like that might have been the best moment of the episode that like we just really see guy as like fully invested and like part and like there's a genuine no yeah that's yeah, a fantastic like the, like the pure moment of affection that is on his face when his friends walk in especially like you know comparing that to how he was in the beginning of the series it's a really yeah. great moment so what dave is your low point man i think my only low point is that Raita is immediately captured again <laughs> yeah, by those sand a lot. <laughs> it's just really lame I, like that's all. Do you got? Do you have a low point for this? No, one? I think that's honestly the only low point of this episode. Otherwise, it's a great oh my gosh, one. everything else was so good. Uh, do we have anything else to say this week? I think I'm sorted. Okay, dude. Uh, well, in that case, that is going to do it for another episode of the Jetman with a Golden Gun. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all: you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail dot com. Uh, if you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out what we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, and boy, I hope you do, please remember, shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help new people find the show. Uh, the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we're the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week.